Good morning. I'm uh, glad to see you all made it out here on this snowy morning. I have a few announcements for you. First of all, uh, Dale's Bible study for the women is starting back up after the holidays. That will be on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and we actually have a short video to play describing the study to you all. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think the fact that I'm so drawn to authenticity is one of the reasons I gravitate toward the Psalms. They're not pithy sentiments to throw up to look spiritual on social media. They're gut level honest. To trust God and to be struggling are not opposite ends of the continuum. We can have a broken heart and raised hands at the same time. Of the Psalms of Lament end in hope, except for Psalm 88. Psalm 88 ends in like, darkness is my only friend. So I think that psalmist was on keto and just sad about no cards. <laughs> this isn't good hair, high metabolism, big house kind of plot prospering. This is peace, wholeness, joy, security. Whether we're in green pastures or heart pounding valleys, we can trust in the immutable compassion of our God. God loves you, God is for you. God will never ever leave you. All right, so we hope that all the women will be able to come out and be able to come together and be encouraged during a time of study in the Word together. Um, in addition, uh, a special announcement for this week is there will be no midweek activities, no Olympians uh, prayer meeting because that is our annual business meeting. And then um, there is a note of appreciation in your bulletin. Uh, and today for Sunday school, there will not be any snacks due to the pastor appreciation lunch after Sunday school. Um, and it's a Dave's class will be here in the sanctuary. Um, so we hope that you'll be able to come out and join us for the soup and sandwich luncheon uh, to celebrate and thank Pastor Sky for all that he does for us. Um, and then for those, oh, sorry, Pastor Jay, my bad. Um, <laughs> But we do hope uh, that you'll be able to come out and uh, fellowship together with him and, the, and his family. And also for you ladies who were planning to come out to Dana's Sprinkle on Friday, but it was changed because of the snow, um, we'll hope you'll stick around afterwards for her Sprinkle. Okay, um, that's all my announcements. And Dave, turn it over to you. follow up on two of those things she said one yes the Sunday school will be here so the class on Romans will be in the sanctuary my father's class in Matthew will still be over his normal room for Sunday school and because there's a business week business meeting on Wednesday we have to read any motions that are being made two weeks prior so that's where I come in again so motion to, motion to be discussed and decided the annual business meeting to be held on January 24th at 7 p.m to have Pastor Jason Heckley continue to serve as the interim pastor of Quinton Baptist Church until our next business meeting, currently scheduled for May 15th, 2024. That'll be all, thank you. 
Today is Pastor Appreciation Day. God calls people to various roles of Christian ministry. Through this divine act, God established a human means for spiritual care of his people. Today, we celebrate the call of Pastor Jay. While all believers are spiritually gifted to share in the church's mission, the called are God's specially chosen leaders. Pastor Appreciation Day is a time to show our pastor that our congregation loves him and appreciates him in his position as our spiritual leader. The focus of our worship should be first and foremost on Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church. He is the one who has called Pastor Jay to follow in his steps as preacher and teacher. It is only in this context of praise to God that honoring individual Christians is appropriate. As it says in 1 Thessalonians, now friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Today, as we celebrate the call and ministry of Pastor Jay, we worship God our Savior, and we commit ourselves to hold in high esteem the one he has charged with our spiritual nurture and care. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we've gathered today to do two things, Father, to worship you and you alone and to honor our pastor. I pray that that would happen in individual hearts, Lord God, and together as a body of believers at Quinton Baptist Church. Thank you, dear Lord, in Christ's name, amen. One way that we celebrate Pastor Appreciation Day is by having our pastor choose the songs. So all of the songs we're singing today are some of Pastor Jay's favorite songs. Please stand as we worship together.
Be seated. Please take the responsive reading insert out of your bulletin. I'll be reading the lighter print, and the congregation, please read the bold print. Pastor Jay, in answering God's call to the ministry, you have obeyed his will for your life. 
Your call has come in answer to the prayers of God's people that he would send forth laborers into the harvest fields of our world. Your call comes through your love for lost souls. Your call is evident in your concern for God's people and your spiritual service to us. And all the people said, Amen. Let's bow and pray together. Father, we come together together today to worship you, the God of all heaven, the God of creation, the God who has not only is up and beyond everything, but also sees us, sees us personally, cares about us, is there for us. Lord, we thank you. We could worship you and honor you today. Lord, we come to you also knowing, Lord, we have failed you throughout this week. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins as you have forgiven, as we also forgive others that have trespassed against us. Help us, Lord, to love one another. Help us, Lord, to faithfully walk after you. Lord, we thank you for what you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. We thank you for your son that you have provided for us and our salvation through Jesus Christ and you giving us your spirit to walk with us and to be with us and to guide us through life here. Help us, Lord, to live in the power of your resurrection. Lord, we thank you also that we can come to you also with the things that are on our hearts this week. Those that are in trouble, those that are in health problems, those that have fallen away from you. Help us now as we lift them up to you. Lord, we think of the Weatherby and the Woodside family and the passing of Dudley Weatherby this week. We just ask, Lord, that you will comfort them. You will wrap your arms around them. Lord, you say you and you are the father of all comfort. May that be seen by that family this week and others that have, may have also suffered losses. We think and continue to pray for Betty Brennan as she, Lord, has been struggling with her health. I just ask that you would strengthen her, that you will provide her with the mercy that she needs, that you, Lord, will uplift her and encourage her in this time. I just ask also for Sherm. Miller, as he's been facing uh, this bone marrow transplant in the next couple of weeks, right now as he's, as he's in the hospital preparing for that, to give him the strength he needs moment by moment. Give Anne the strength that she needs also. Encourage her as she encourages Sherm. I just ask that you wrap the, your arms around that family through this next couple of weeks, which will be a very hard time for them. But Lord, help them to see you through all of this. Lord, we also think of the many families that are struggling with sicknesses, colds, strep, and uh, maybe even a COVID-19 at this period of time, and I just ask that you would strengthen them, encourage them uh, as they're down. They will use the time also, Lord, to spend more time and being able to uh, spend that quiet time with you as they're recovering. We think, Lord, of the upcoming meetings this week for the annual business meeting. I ask that you give us the leadership of the church wisdom as we move forward. I ask that you give us a, a clear path, Lord, to uh, having a new senior pastor take hold of this congregation as well. We just ask, Lord, that that person, Lord, would be the one you want here. Lord, we also thank you for uh, the missionaries that we support as a church. 
this week, this month, Lord, is Caitlin Hill. I just ask that you would encourage her as she's in her first year on the field, that you will help her, Lord, through adapting for the language, the culture, that you will give her the mercy uh, as she makes mistakes along the way as well in, in understanding the culture and their people. Give her the energy. Give her the faith that she needs to walk and to trust you step by step. I ask that you will make a difference in that land and to those people, and that they will see your love through her as she's your witness there. We also thank you, Lord, for our church in this next coming year. I just ask that you will help us, Lord, in the outreaches to our community, that you will give us the love that you want us to have for our community, for each other, that we'll build each other up, but also build up those that are around us, that we'll see the needs around us and not just see them, Lord, but act upon them. Help us, Lord, to be your feet and your hands to those that are around us. Lord, we ask all these things. Uh, at knowing, Lord, that you will faithfully work through us and help us, Lord, and, and encourage others as we accomplish these things for you. So I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. As we continue to sing, children in first through third grade are dismissed for Children's Church. Please stand.
Please be seated. It's a blessing to introduce our guest speaker for today. Mike Tardivi is a father of five grown children and soon to be eight grandchildren. He served 25 years as a pastor and a church planner, and some of you may remember him as the administrator of Salem County Christian Academy for five and a half years. The past five years, Mike has helped dying folks in our families by traveling from home to home as a chaplain and bereavement coordinator for a hospice organization in Pennsylvania. And he's also served three years as a grief counselor, helping parents who have lost children to drug overdose. It's my honor to introduce Mike Tardivi as our speaker. Thank you, Mike. Some of you may remember me as the administrator, and, and you, now you'd like to forget about all that time, but here I am, like a bad penny turning up again, right? Um, it's really wonderful to come by and to look around and see so many faces um, that, that I just feel very warm about seeing again. And uh, it, was, it was a challenging and good five and a half years, and, and the Lord always, for some reason, just keeps me moving all the time. Um, just when I want to settle in, he says, nope, now it's on to the next thing, and and maybe some of you can uh, relate to that. But today we're here to talk about Pastoral Appreciation Day. My wife and daughter Angel were supposed to be with me, but Angel got a stomach virus on Friday. And her head is spinning when she sits up and she has a headache. And, and it really knocked her, knocked her back. So, of course, as a mother, my wife gives her apologies because she needs to be with her daughter who's not feeling well. And she said she's sorry that she couldn't be here as we were all looking forward to being here and seeing so many of you again. Um, we are here this morning, if you want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 20, on Pastoral Appreciation Day, Pastor Appreciation Day, and what does that mean, really? Um, you've been through it before, you've done a few things, uh, which I respect as a church that you do that, um, but what does it mean? And is it just one day uh, that we appreciate the pastor? Uh, no, of course not. Um, it's more than that, um, but what is it? What does it mean to appreciate the pastor? Why should we appreciate the pastor? Um, some of these things seem to be self-evident, but actually they're not always, um, unless we go to the Bible to figure out exactly what we're doing and why we do it. And so here we're looking to appreciate uh, our brother Jay, and, um, but we want to know what that means. Well, the Oxford Dictionary defines to appreciate, it means this, to recognize the full worth of. To appreciate is to recognize the full worth of something. In, in order to understand the word, we really can look at the world of economics, and we understand the word when it comes to that. We know that for the most part, houses appreciate in their value. Their worth increases in people's eyes in their value as time goes on. We also understand that most of the time, cars depreciate in their value, and the longer we have them, the more their value goes down. But houses can actually depreciate based on um, the market and where that market goes or how that house has been taken care of. And sometimes cars can appreciate and go up in value based on whether it's some kind of vintage car or that kind of thing. But the pastor must always be appreciated, according to the Bible, not because of the man himself necessarily. We appreciate what the man can bring to the table, absolutely. But the real reason that we should appreciate and recognize the full worth of a pastor of a Bible-believing church is because of what the Bible has to say about the role itself. And we really can't appreciate the man 
unless we come to understand what is the role supposed to be. What is the role? Now, whole books have been written on the role, and obviously we're not going to exhaust the topic this morning. But I want to just look at basically three quick points and some practical applications of how can we appreciate the pastor. But before I do, let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 20, and we're going to read some of that, where I'm going to draw my points from, and then we're going to pray. Here we have the Apostle Paul, after having served in Ephesus for three years, and he was a church planter. Paul was pastoral, but he was, he was an apostle. He was a, an evangelist in his true biblical sense of the term. He was a church planter. And before he left, after having established that church and, and having worked with the elders of that church, the pastors of the church, he he's, has to go on now. He has to move on to the next ministry. And he brings together the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he has some very important things to say to them. We're only going to grab a couple of them here uh, this morning. He says in verse 25 of Acts chapter 20, And indeed now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching, the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's our first point this morning. We should appreciate the pastor because of who appointed him. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. We should appreciate the pastor of the church because of who he shepherds. Keep reading. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in and among you, not sparing the flock. And there we see our third point this morning, and that is this. We should appreciate the pastor because of who opposes him. So we have because of who appointed him, because of who he shepherds, and because of who opposes him. And then Paul finishes up this little section by saying this, among from whom also of yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch, watch, and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Let's pray. Our Father, this is your word. It is not mine, it is yours, and your Spirit wrote it. And Lord, there are some things that we can learn here about the role of the pastor so that we can learn to appreciate the position and then therefore the man. And we ask you that you'd help us, teach us, instruct us this morning, clear our minds and thoughts of of wandering away, and help us, Lord, to focus on what you might say this morning, that you will say this morning, that we trust you to say this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. First, we see here that we should appreciate the pastor because of who appointed him. It says here this, look at it again. It says, among which the Holy Spirit, verse 28, has made you overseers. He's saying to these shepherds of the flock, remember this, it is the Holy Spirit that made you a pastor. The word overseer, episkopos, that's where we get the word um, episcopal from, it has to do with overseeing, yes, and superintending and being over in a a, uh, leadership role, so to speak. 
He says, you need to understand, pastors, that it's the Holy Spirit that made you the pastor of the church. And that's important for us to understand as well. The Holy Spirit appoints the pastors and churches. Let me say it again. It is not the membership that appoints a pastor. It is not the man himself who appoints a pastor. Yeah, we do the human work in this to make this happen, but the third person of the everlasting eternal Godhead claims to be the one who makes a man a pastor of a church. Not just any pastor, but the pastor over a specific congregation. This is the work of the Spirit of God. And because of this, we have to understand that this is a very solemn undertaking that not only does the man have, but that the church has in recognizing who the Holy Spirit is looking to make to be the pastor of the church. This Holy Spirit is one who also does a lot of other things that we must remind ourselves of. He regenerates us in our salvation. He indwells us at our salvation. He baptizes us at our salvation. He seals us at our salvation. Long before we came around, He co-created all that has been created with the other persons of the Godhead. He inspired these holy scriptures. He breathed them out. He convicts of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. He illuminates the Word of God so that you and I can understand what we're reading. He can be grieved because He's a person, and because He's a person, He can be quenched, and He can be insulted, the Bible tells us, and He can be lied to. He is a person, and that person, who is the third person of the triune God, says, I'm the one who makes a man a pastor of a church. This is very important. This implies such a sacredness and such a a solemn nature of what we're doing here that we can just forget about it and think that because we do this every Sunday or every couple times a week that this is just the way it is. But this is not what God says. It implies an awesome responsibility before us all. This also says to us that the man will answer first and foremost to God and not to the people of the church. Now, I'm not trying to charge Jay today. That's not, my, that's not my goal. I'm trying to charge you as a church to understand that even when you don't understand what the man is doing or why he's doing it or why he doesn't like that or why he doesn't do it better or why he doesn't do it the way I think he should do it, that he answers to the, to the, to the Father himself. He answers to the Spirit who appointed him as the pastor of the church. It is in many ways, and I've pastored three churches that I began, it is an awe-inspiring, and it's a dreadful, dreadful truth. The longer I go, the more I lament how casual I was as a pastor many times, and how careless I was, and in many ways, in light of this fact. It's a frightful fact to think that a man, and in this case, a young man, the man who has other responsibilities as a husband, as a father, perhaps as a son or a brother or a friend, also must give an account to God for the role of which he's been appointed someday, how he does his job at this place and at this time. I tremble on the inside when I think of my own ministries like that. I really do. I'm not just using a rhetorical flourish here to try to make this sound like it more than it is. I really do, and I think back. I say, what was I doing sometimes? Why did I do that? Why wasn't I more careful? It's, it's a very, very frightful thought. Why would any man want this terrible responsibility, really? He already has to answer for himself as a Christian. 
He already has to answer himself for himself as a husband and a father. He has to answer for himself in many ways. Why in the world would any man want to now, as the Bible says, become a teacher of the church because he's going to, the Bible says, realize a stricter judgment upon himself for that? Why would any man want to do that? I think, what was I thinking sometimes? Except that only a man that is called by that same spirit would take that position because he's called, because he's called. It reminds me of the parable of the wicked vine dressers. Remember that one? You don't need to turn there in Matthew. It says, there was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and he set a hedge around it and a wine press and he built a tower. Jesus gave this parable and he leased it to vine dressers and he went into a far country and when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Nice lads they were, weren't they? Right? You wouldn't want to be working there. So again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then the last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son, this vine dresser said. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and they cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard, vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers, Jesus asked. Jesus said, what is the owner going to do when he comes to them finally? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him their fruits and their seasons. What's, what's the point of this that Jesus is trying to make? Respect should be shown because of who sent the servant, okay? The first servants and then finally the son. The vine dresser errantly thought, oh, they'll respect him because it's coming from me. I mean, he's, this, my son is now absolutely coming from me. Therefore, they're going to respect him, and they're going to treat him well because he came from me. And, and what we can learn from this is the fact that the fact that the Holy Spirit makes a man the pastor of a church ought to say to us, because of who we know that he came from, we therefore should be able to respect him and treat him in a certain manner. Now, it doesn't mean we bow down before him, and it doesn't mean that he can't make mistakes that we don't acknowledge and recognize. It doesn't mean that he's, he's somebody that we have to put on some kind of pedestal. In fact, that's one of my points at the end of the sermon. Don't put him on a pedestal. He's simply a servant. But at the same time, it ought to say to us, I need to be careful about showing the value and worth of the man in the position that God has established first as a position and then filled with his choice because of who he, he is here from. Understand. The whom is very important, not just the whom of the position, but the whom who sent. Secondly, we need to be able to respect the person in the position and value his worth because of who he shepherds. The scriptures tell us that he says he was, he was the church, he was to he was to shepherd the church of God whom he, who he, he bought with his own blood. With his own blood. So you are special, right? Everyone wants to say it now. You're special. Remember, you're special. We're all special, right? But we're not special because we're special. We're special, number one, because of the fact that we've been created in the image of God. This is all grounded in theological truth. And then as believers, we're, we're even more so because of the fact 
that we've been bought with the precious blood of the Son of God. Now, this is, this is again, serious stuff. This man has been entrusted with taking care of the blood-bought sons of God. Like, again, the responsibility is huge. The precious people bought by the precious blood. I re- remember early on in um, it was my, the last church I planted, I think is when this happened, was, yes it was, in, uh, in Ireland. We planted a church in Western Mass and then one in Dublin and Ireland and the third one. And this one was starting off differently. They all start off differently. Um, but I just, I had like a technique I called a dragnet and I just put mail out by the thousands and thousands and thousands announcing who we were and newsletter about being born again or something like this. And, and whoever shows up the first Sunday shows up and, and a, a, a group of people actually showed up uh, who we'd never met before. And, uh, and then as time went on, we began to realize, oh my goodness, there's no church in this county at all, and you could see that the people have suffered the results, and, and there would be prayer times when people would stand up, and, and instead of like giving prayer requests, they'd be having a go at the other person, you ripped me off when you painted my house, you were a nasty so-and-so, and this was like, please pray for that person to stop being so nasty, please pray for that person who's a, a liar and a cheat, and stuff like this was going on in the church. This was during the time. And then I had to sit down with people, and et cetera, et cetera. And then it was just, it was just miserable because everybody didn't like each other. And then they were from some strange theological backgrounds. I'll just say that. I won't say any more, which I would normally not <laughs> want to be a part of. And so my first thought was, I'll just drive these people out and try and start all over again. I know, that's terrible, isn't it? That's the way I was thinking at the time. We can't, we can't. My brother-in-law, who's now a pastor up in central New Jersey, um, we were starting the church together. And we called them the Bad News Bears. Remember that movie, the Bad News Bears, right? All these uh, juvenile delinquents who came together to form a baseball team, right? A little league team. And we were saying, oh, the Bad News Bears, this is what we have here. And then I was in the Word, and God spoke to me very clearly. It was just one of those times. And He said, feed my sheep with like my sticking out at me. Tend my lambs. My. And it was like an arrow went into my heart from the Spirit of God. Who do you think you are? These are my sheep. These belong to me. These people I have bought with the blood of my son. I said, oh my goodness. Again, what was I thinking? I spent a lot of time asking that question. What was I thinking? And it changed my whole outlook. And it changed everything. And it changed the way I approached those people. And it changed that whole ministry. That church ended up becoming the biggest church I was ever, uh, I'd ever started. It became a flourishing ministry with some of those very same people. But God had to grab hold of me by the scruff of my neck and say, those people belong to me, and you're going to take care of them and feed them and look after them. That's who you are. You are the blood-bought saints of Christ, I trust. And it's an awesome responsibility for a man to have to take care of these people precious people that have been bought by the blood of the Son of God. Think of it like that. Think of, think of a mother who wants to go away for the weekend with her husband, and she's got these four little kids, let's say, and she doesn't have a babysitter. So she just goes on the internet and says, I need a babysitter. And I, and I don't really want to pay much money for it. I don't have much money. And, and then just anybody shows up. And okay, you go ahead and you watch my kids for the weekend. Never interviewed her, never talked to her, never did anything. And so, but I've got all the food prepared, and here's their toys are over here, and you just, you know, crowd control for the weekend. And she comes back, 
And she asked the kids, how did it go? And they said, Mommy, it was really different. What do you mean? Did she not play with you? Yeah, she did play with me. She played all kinds of games with me, but she had this game that she wanted us to play where we took plastic bags and put them over our heads. <laughs> right? It was a little strange. And, and, and Sally almost, you know, turned blue at one point, but it was okay, right? Well, how come the food's not been touched? She thought it would be better and, and we would be happier if she just gave us cotton candy and candy bars every uh, meal, right? And, and, then, and then, well, you know, what about did you behave? Well, yeah, well, we were afraid not to because she was smacking us around when we didn't. This is the babysitter, right? And you say, what kind of mother would ever put her kids under the care of that kind of person, right? Just anyone, right? Like just anyone that just you decide to go ahead and do. No mother would do that, right? Why would God do that? Why would God do that? When he makes a man a pastor of a church, he's been involved with the man's entire upbringing, his call, his preparation, his family. He's been involved with all of that. Again, it doesn't make the man perfect. And it doesn't mean there's not a time for a pastor to move on to the next thing. And God is in charge of that as well. But while he's here, we have to understand that God didn't just bring anybody. You say, well, I know of churches that have had really bad, wicked pastors. I believe that, I'm not going to say this as a 100% thing, but there are times that a church gets a bad pastor in order to judge the church and for their lack of response to the Word of God. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them, value them, consider their worth very highly in love for their work's sake. For the work's sake. It says, esteem them in love. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thought, isn't it? To respect somebody, not just respect them because I have to. There's a general, okay, you're over me. But value them in love because we're all part of the same family. We're all connected by that same everlasting spirit of the eternal God. And so God wants love amongst his people. And love means forbearing one another in love at times. And it means giving people the benefit of the doubt because we do value them and because we do care about them and we care about the one who sent them. And then the third point here, also because of who opposes him. Paul goes on here and and he is talking about the fact that I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be men who are going to come in from the outside. He called them savage wolves. It's not real wolves. These are what he called men who would try to destroy the church. I used to call them satanic plants. There were times in the churches that I started and and pastored that after a while a satanic plant uh, would reveal himself or herself. And they usually came in and they ingratiated themselves in different ways to the church and to the pastor. And pretty soon they became a thorn in your side. And pretty soon they began to, to do some things that weren't appropriate. And you've got to pray those people out of your church when it happens. Satanic plants. But he said, even amongst yourselves, he said, there would be men who would look to draw men away from you, he was saying to the elders, after themselves. Don't listen to him. He's just a young guy. Don't listen to him. He's just a little out of touch. Don't listen to him. 
I think he's straying. Don't listen to him. I think that what I'm saying should be listened to. Now, nobody comes into a church amongst the congregation and say, hey, everyone, I want to be the pastor now, and I want you to start listening to me. I want you to not to listen to him, and I want you to listen to me. The devil is not that stupid, okay? He's subtle. And it becomes the beginning with a bit of criticism here and a bit of, begin, a bit of criticism over there and a bit of I know better over here. And this so-and-so on the Internet says this. And this book over here, you know, it teaches that. And pretty soon the pastor's feeling that heat. It's a difficult time for a pastor. The last church I started that got to 150 people and was like the, was like the uh, apple of the eye of many of the churches of Ireland and people were looking to it and all this, split right down the middle and ended up just being almost destroyed except for the fact that there is a church there still today. But it began with people who knew better. Let's just put it that way. They knew better on a number of fronts. And it's a very difficult time because it comes from the devil himself. Again, it doesn't mean you can't disagree with your pastor. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you can't go to him lovingly and kindly and talk about things. All that should be done. But Paul did warn the Ephesian elders about this kind of situation. And we're not so foolish as to think that that only happened 2,000 years ago and doesn't happen today. It does happen today. And the devil uses people to do that. Because of who opposes him, you should appreciate this man. Because of, you sh- because of the fact that the devil is going to use people to try to discourage him, you should appreciate him. You, don't ha- you may have that going on in your family or in your workplace, but you're not responsible for God for all of this, the church of Jesus Christ. You know, it's so serious that the Lord said in another place that he who destroys my church, I will destroy. That's, that's, that's how precious you are to God. That's how precious this congregation is to the Lord. That he's saying, whoever wants to destroy this church, I'll destroy that person. It may not become evident immediately, but it does happen. Absolutely. Then we go on from here. Paul is speaking in another place, excuse me, John is speaking in another place, and he says this, I wrote to the church, this is 3 John, verse 9, but, di- by, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. There was a Diotrephes, and the word preeminence means first place. He loved to have the first place. He doesn't receive what I'm teaching. You should appreciate this man in case the devil wants to send a Diotrephes. You should, you should value the worth of this man because him, along with the leadership and along with all of you, are responsible to pull together, to maintain the unity of this church, to keep together no matter what happens and no matter what attacks might take place. The devil hates the church of Jesus Christ. Those of you who have been believers any length of time know what has happened in the church of Jesus in America. I went away for 20 years. I came back. Things were very different. But in the 11 and a half years I've been back, I've noticed that they keep going differently. It's not the time for all of that, but it's not easy to pastor a church in this day and age. Support this man as much as you can. It's a horrible thing to think that I could be the tool of the devil. We say, well, can, can we be? What did Jesus say to Peter? Satan, Satan, right? He called him Satan. You are, you are valuing the things of man and not the things of God. So how do we appreciate this man? What are just some practical ways? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these things. First, respect his time. Um, It's not easy to take care of people. It's not easy to have a family and to take care of people. So make sure that your time with him is a a time that, you know, it's not trivial things. Um, Respect his time. Respect his humanity. He will make mistakes. He has made mistakes. 
but appreciate the fact that he will continue to learn from those mistakes, hopefully, and grow into the task that's before him. Don't put him on a pedestal, in other words. Don't put him on a pedestal. Um, I remember, again, <laughs> last church, uh, this, guy, this guy in my church, uh, he had come from a, being a deacon in England, and he said to me, he says, Mike, he says, uh, our former pastors, I won't do my bad English accent, he says, our former pastors, they all seem to have faults, but y- you couldn't really see them, but you seem to have all yours right out in full view, <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> and, and I said, thank you, I think. I said, I didn't know what to, t- I didn't know what to do with that. Um, but there they were, and, and they may have probably did me in in the end, but as they often do. Um, but he will grow into the task. Strengthen him by encouragement. The Lord speaks you through his word, tell him. God used your sermon this morning. Don't tell him if it's not true. You could say thank you, but you don't have to tell him that. Um, but if he does, make sure you tell him. Encourage him. Um, be kind. Be kind. Just be kind. Even when you're not happy, just be kind. Kindness goes a long way. Kindness is a beautiful word, and it goes a long way. And I know many of you already know all these things, but I'm just going running through a list. Um, be cooperative with his leading, even if you're not sure about it at first. Uh, make sure he and his family are financially taken care of. Um, <laughs> it's a difficult thing um, to be in a position where, you know, you're on your knees praying that God would provide at the same time trying to do ministry. Um, enough said about that. Um, show up to the meetings. Show up to the meetings. Um, this has become an issue now like never before because of the availability of online streaming. Um, and that's become an issue in every church, I, I must say. Um, but I remember, you know, it's not the same thing. I remember uh, growing up, every, every Christmas Eve, we would have um, our Feast of the Seven Fishes at Uncle Vinny's house. And um, all the time while we were there, year after year, um, on the TV would be the Yule, the Yule Log, right? Well, just recently, I saw the Yule Log again, and I went, oh, the Yule Log, Uncle Vinny's house, right? And you know what? It was a nice feeling of nostalgia because it brought back all the memories of the music with all family before most of them, had, a lot of them had passed on and being a kid and all these kinds of things. And I think sometimes that watching sermons on Sunday mornings, live streaming, is kind of like the Yule Log. Like you could see it and, and you could hear it and you could hear the music and you could hear what's going on there, but you don't get the warmth. You don't get the warmth. And it's the warmth of a congregation being together and the Holy Spirit indwelling us all together, being together at this place and at this time again that brings forth warmth. It can be argued that one of the most powerful ministries of the 20th century was the ministry of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, he was a Welsh preacher in first Wales and then London. And uh, he had some things to say about this because in his day, cassette tapes were coming out. Okay, And he was a powerful preacher, and cassette tapes of him are going out around the world. And they were going out, and he wasn't crazy about it. And it kind of sounded like he was like an old fogey at first. But listen to what is said. Tim Keller, now with the Lord, wrote this. Dr. Lloyd-Jones effectively dismantled the idea that watching a video or listening to an audio of a sermon is as good as coming physically into an assembly and listening to a sermon with a body of people. It is obviously a good thing if a person who never hears or reads the Bible listens to the recording of a good gospel message and is helped by it. But the doctor argues that people experience the sermon in a radically different way. If they hear it together with a, with a body of listeners and if they see the preacher. 
Watching on a screen or listening as you walk detaches you and the sermon becomes mere information, not a whole experience. There is a power and impact that this media cannot convey. When the unction of the Holy Spirit is upon the Word of God, it is a special moment to be in that place with other people experiencing the same thing. They're my words. Next, as we head toward the end here, don't overly criticize the man. Uh, criticism is, it can be very destructive. Let's be careful about it. Don't talk behind his back, uh, trashing him or his family and his style of leadership. Again, all these things probably don't need to be said, but they need to be said, okay? Um, understand that this is not his church, and it's not your church, but it's God's church. It's God's church, and we need to do everything we can to try and promote it. Know that your treatment of him and my treatment of him, good or bad, is being noticed because God says a lot about esteeming him, valuing him, so God is noticing what we're doing. He will make mistakes. He will be human with flaws and weaknesses, but aren't we all? And only by the grace of God can any of us stand. By, can any of us stand? And the longer we go in the Christian life, the more we understand that, don't we? Finally, and probably most importantly, pray for the man. Pray for the man. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century English preacher, was known as the Prince of Preachers. There were thousands of people that came to his church. They had to have tickets to try to get in because they'd be lined up outside of the street. Um, and it's not an exaggeration to say that multitudes of thousands came to Christ through his preaching. A group of young ministers came one day to visit his church, and after showing him the, them the massive sanctuary, Spurgeon offered to show them his boiler room. Now, people didn't want to really go see a boiler room. They were dirty and ugly, and the churches were heated by steam in those days. And so they really weren't interested, but he, he insisted. Let's go down to the boiler room, he said. So they went down there, and they went in, and in his time, like I said, it was heated by that, but that's not what they saw. He led the young ministers down to the basement where they found about 100 people in prayer. 100 people were downstairs praying. This, Spurgeon said with a smile, is my boiler room. All the, the heat and everything that went on was, was generated by the power of the boiler room. He said, this is what generates the power in my church. Whenever Spurgeon was asked about the secret of his ministry, he always replied this one thing, always. My people pray for me. My people pray for me. This is an often quoted illustration. Some of you have heard it before, but it is a less frequent imitated illustration. Well, that's a great story. That's a great illustration. But are we going to imitate it and pray for this man? I hope you do. I hope you make it a point to pray for this young man and his family. I hope you make it a point to realize that your prayers for him will do more than anything you could say or do or anything else if you all together covenant to pray for this man and his family. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what's before this church uh, to choose a pastor, uh, whether it be Jay or whether it be someone else, is a spiritual matter. And Lord, I pray that the church would covenant together to be praying for your choice and that if indeed you answer that prayer soon they would understand that they need to appreciate this person not just once a year but all year long and father help us in our tendency to criticize help us in our tendency to think we know better 
Help us in our pride, Father, and help us instead to support what's going on here because it's your man by your people, for your people, sent by your spirit. And Lord, all the glory goes to you. Father, uh, I thank you for bringing me back here today and seeing all the people that are, are here this morning. And I ask, Lord, that you put your hand upon this church again. And Lord, that you would use them again and that you would keep them together, Lord, still. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And Albert? This is called a pastor's heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. A well-spoken message stirs a heart to rejoice. There's nothing like a strong, resilient voice. But when sorrow comes, there's no better gift to impart than the gift of our caring pastor's heart. A loving touch or a kind word, a moment of counsel from God's holy word, a telephone call after you've just heard, is the gift of our pastor's heart. Lord, bless our pastor each new day. Bless his ministry along the way. For fame and fortune can never impart the precious gift of a caring pastor's heart. Just a servant of Christ and dear friends with a desire to love God to the very end. Tending his flock in the Savior's way is a gift of a pastor's heart. Striving to live as a servant of Christ serving his father, giving godly advice, preaching and teaching and sharing the word is the gift of our pastor's caring heart. This one's called Pastor Jay. Pastor Jay, you are there to help us when we fall. We just want to thank you for answering the master's call. To thank you for the prayers that you pray for us each day. You're more concerned with others' needs than the troubles that must come your way. To thank you for the sermons you always seem to know, the problems we are facing, and the ways we need to grow. We must also thank the Lord for you being strong in Christ. Your example and your humbleness inspire all our lives. A pastor who relies on God through happy times and tears, you're such a special blessing, and we thank God he sent you here. Pastor Jay, a teacher, a mentor, a shepherd with love, sent by God from above. You've showed us Jesus, you've taught us the way, be an example of Christ's love each day. You are a teacher in all that you do, always pointing to Jesus through and through. You are a mentor we look to in trials, and you send us to Jesus to walk through the tough miles. You know that he is, he is the answer always and sends us to him to get through the haze. You are a shepherd by tending your sheep, 
some frightened, some worn, some tattered, some weak. You always care and help us to find contentment and joy in Christ divine. When we wander away from the rest of the flock, you seek to find and lead us back to the rock. You've sought his will and carried your cross by teaching his sheep so no one will be lost. One day in heaven, you'll hear, hear Jesus say, well done, my servant, this we humbly pray. Thank you, Pastor Jay. The work you have done for our congregation has truly been a blessing. We are praising God to be so blessed as to have a shepherd who loves their flock this much. You lead our congregation by opening God's word. Then you live your life reflecting all that we've heard. You care for others deeply and lift them up in prayer. And when we, and when we face misfortune, we know you'll be there. We really love you, Pastor Jay, for everything you do. We thank God for giving us a pastor like you. Okay, Pastor Jay, Pastor Jay, would you, oh, it's okay. you join us on this? I couldn't see back there. Pastor Jay, come on in. <laughs> come on in. Uh, we just want to take a moment. We're going to uh, have our hands on him, and we want to pray for him and encourage him and as he continues to serve at Quinton Baptist Church. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the message that you gave us today through Mike Nardivi. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder, Lord, that you, through your Holy Spirit, have chosen him and appointed him and called him, Lord, to be the pastor here at Quinton Baptist Church at this time. We thank you, Lord, for his dedication. We thank you for his love for you. We thank you, Lord, for his care for you. We thank you, Lord, for his family that has also been part of that ministry and a part of the love that you are showing this church through him. Lord, we want to thank you for what you have for him as well. We just ask that you'll give him and his family wisdom as they go forward, as they make decisions, Lord, and, know and discern your will for their lives and, for the, and also for our church. We thank you, Lord, that you, Lord, have given him, that you, Lord, are for him. We thank you, Lord, that you provide all things that are needed for him and for his family. We thank you, Lord, that you have justified him and prepared him for this ministry. Lord, we know that no one, no thing can separate you from the love of God or him from the love of God or his family. We thank you, Lord, that you are providing for him. We thank you also, Lord, that you will make him more than a conqueror in service to you. We thank you most, Lord, that you are truly worthy for service. And these things we ask in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being I'm so glad Jay chose the song. This is one of my favorites as well. A very beautiful song, recognizing that we are worshiping the one who is worthy of all blessing, all honor, 
and all glory. Please stand as we worship together.
Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> 